0: get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash snap. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash snap. Snap fair warning. For this story, you may want to put on a winter coat. Because in the Snap Classic, we're throwing down a true story That is not exactly true. Don't worry, it will all make sense in a moment. Joe Rosenberg starts us off. Snap Judgment.
1: So this story is about a woman, but it's going to be told by a man. My name's Paul Burseller. He's a documentary filmmaker from New York, but a few years back...
2: I I went from New York to France to take care of my mother, who was... uh dying of a, of a brain tumor, uh, and she died, and, uh, and then I, I just started this life in England, and I was kind of a bit sad and lonely. And he read a lot, four newspapers a day. And I'm sitting in my study with all the newspapers surrounding me, and suddenly I see this, this story, and that's what led to my first seeing the name Takako Konishi.
1: The story of Takako Kanishi was low on details, but high on intrigue. She had first been spotted wandering around a truck stop in North Dakota, 28, pretty, Japanese, and wearing only the lightest clothing, even though it was the middle of winter. Then came the hook, the thing that made the story, the story.
2: This Japanese woman was searching for the money that was buried in the Coen Brothers movie Fargo.
1: For those of you who haven't seen the film, Fargo is a dark comic masterpiece about a ransom gone wrong. It depicts the true story of a mild-mannered car salesman who had his own wife kidnapped in order to scam his father-in-law out of a million dollars. Instead, the money wound up in the hands of one of the kidnappers, played in the film by Steve Buscemi. Before he died, the kidnapper supposedly buried the money alongside a fence on an unknown stretch of road. In the film, the money is never recovered. Takako had been searching for the real-life treasure.
2: Because there was a graphic at the beginning of Fargo that said, this is a true story.
1: The only problem being...
2: There was no money.
1: The film is fiction.
2: They made it all up. So Takako must have fallen for, 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 for you know, the Coen brothers'
1: trick. Takako's gullibility would prove to be her undoing. She froze to death two days later, in a snowy field in the forest, looking for the money. If you had been reading your own paper that day, you might remember this story. It was one of those odd wire service human interest pieces that was just too good not to run.
2: Everyone I told it to just laughed because that was kind of the function of the story. It was it was black comedy from the start. But there was something about about her story that kind of grabbed me. So I went back the next day and started buying that newspaper to see if there's any follow-up stories. And despite its very nature, that was it.
1: Paul wanted to know more, so he called up the investigator who had worked on Takako's case and asked if he could send over some info.
2: And they sent me kind of the crime scene photo, and so I saw Takako for the first time, dead. You know, um, kind of lying in the in the in the snow. Um, she had a black mini skirt, black boots, a black uh, coat that kind of just went to her hips. And she had black hair and a uh, very pale, very pale face. This is very strange. What happened to Takako Kanishi? How is it possible that somebody uh, confuses fiction with reality so much? That they actually fly from Japan and end up alone, in a field, uh,
1: in the snow, very far away from home. And since Paul is a documentary filmmaker...
2: I wanted to make a film about it.
1: I would follow the
2: path that Takako took in America, step by step, person by person. Because if I could just figure out why she was looking for the money... I could I could figure out like who was this real person, this real Takako, who was kind of behind this, you know, crazy tabloid joke.
1: So Paul flew out to North Dakota with a skeleton crew and began following Takako's trail, which wasn't always clear. The first person he managed to find, who had actually spoken to her, was a Bismarck police officer named Jesse Hellman.
2: So I just walked into the police station and said, could I speak to Officer Hellman? And so I I met him, and he didn't understand why I was doing this. And I said, I want you to just show me what happened.
1: For Jesse, the day he met Takako had been just like any other day, until a long haul trucker brought in someone he found wandering along the side of the road.
2: And suddenly, through his door, this really pretty Japanese woman walked in, wearing this outfit. And Jesse wondered whether she wasn't a prostitute. He said, girls in North Dakota don't dress like that. And then he paused, you know, he said, probably because of the weather.
1: Takako was clearly trying to explain something to him. But she didn't really speak English, and he didn't speak Japanese. Just about the only thing that Jesse could understand was a word Takako was saying over and over again. Fargo. 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 And then...
2: She pulled out a map. There was an X. There was a road. There was two lines for a road, and just a tree by the side of the road. It just there was no, There was nothing else identifiable. You know, as Jesse said, you can always find a, you know a single tree by a road in in North Dakota. That doesn't really tell you where you are. So Jesse flagged down another officer for help, and he suddenly realized that this was a treasure map. He said, Jesse. She's looking for the money that's buried in Fargo. It was kind of like, could you help me with that? They both tried to explain to her that Fargo was just a movie, that it wasn't real. But they couldn't get this across to her. They, they were quite frustrated. But Jesse liked her. He thought she seemed lonely. So he took Takako to the, to the bus station.
1: And it was at that point that Paul gleaned his first clue about why she might be looking for the treasure.
2: Because as he drove her there, she was holding her stomach and saying something, and he heard her say the word cancer. So then he said, you have cancer? And then in broken English, she said, yes, cancer. And at that point, I was like, oh, my God. This is a story of a woman dying uh, and what she does after she finds out she's terminally ill.
1: So Absol- if you feel a little close, you feel it's a little bit easier to get inside her head.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, uh, because, you know, yeah. everything that she believed was just up for grabs and all the rules were gone.
1: But there was something else about Jesse's story which also struck Paul. Not a clue exactly, but something, all the same. It was the look on his face. The look on his face
2: was guilt. He felt guilty, because after Jesse took Takako to the, to the bus station, he said, if you need any help, you know how to reach me. And then she walked off, uh, and he felt really badly about it, that he should not have left her to go on
1: her own. So Paul kept following Takako's trail, knowing that from Bismarck, she had taken the bus to the town of Fargo itself, where she checked in to a cheap motel.
2: So I went to the front desk and uh, I asked for um, a particular room. And the guy at the front desk, he was like, why do you want to stay in that room? And I said, oh, well, we're making this film about this Japanese woman. He said, the Japanese woman? What? I I said, yeah. Did you know the Japanese woman? She said, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I, I checked her in. Then
1: Paul explained that he was investigating her death.
2: And he was like, what? She died? He was, he was really, he didn't know that she died. But she'd made such an impression on him. You know, this person who'd come so far by herself, and he fancied her, and he never forgot her. And I, and I asked him, I said, did she mention anything about Fargo, the movie? And he said, no, not at all. And then she said to him, did he know a good place for her to watch the stars? He asked me, I mean, what's so special about the stars in Fargo? And we just got of looked at each other, like, I don't know.
1: So Paul took the key to Takako's room and lay in the same bed she had, trying to get inside her head and put it all together. The treasure, the cancer, and a good place to watch the stars. Everything felt like it was on the cusp of making sense.
2: It, it, it said in the hotel kind of phone records that she'd made this phone call to this number in Singapore. And obviously it had meant a lot to her because it was something like a $75 phone call. And it was the last call she ever made. So I, I wondered who she was calling. And I called and no one answered. And I looked out the window at this kind of very depressing parking lot and and neon sign, and I don't know why. I don't know what, what it was, but I just gathered
1: my things and changed my room. In the morning, Paul found Takako's next breadcrumb, a taxi driver who had picked her up from the motel.
2: And I asked him what, what I asked everyone was like, what did she say about Fargo, the movie? And he said she didn't really say much at all. But The one thing she did say is that she asked the taxi driver to take her to, t- to Detroit Lakes.
1: Detroit Lakes is a resort town just east of Fargo. At this time of year, it was completely emptied out, no attractions. But Takako had asked to be let out on the far side of the lake, where there was no town, just forest.
2: And he did have a moment where he thought, it's cold out. Why am I letting her out in the cold? But like a lot of people, they had second thoughts, but they just didn't think it was polite to ask. And so they just... He just let her out of the car and drove off.
1: Then the taxi driver let Paul out in the middle of the woods, at the same spot.
2: And there was just... There was no sound at all. It was the sound of the wind flying off the lake and just cold air. And I I, I, I followed the followed Takako's um, path onto the property of this this woman named Deb, who I went to see. She said that she was with her kids in front of the house and she saw this figure in black running up the hill a couple hundred feet away into the forest. This figure that looked like it was a witch. And I didn't know at first whether Deb was joking or not. But she said that she gathered the, the kids together into a circle and she prayed to ask for Jesus' protection against the influence of this witch. But the, she was very sad because, you know, Takako passed through the lives of these people just really briefly. She, she came and she went. And in and, and the same way that I think the night clerk felt that he should have been spending less time looking at her legs and more time trying to help her. Uh, it was the same thing with this, with this woman, Deb, that, you know, the Christian thing to do would have been to run after her and run up the hill and to find out if she needed help. But she didn't do that. That's what Jesse felt as well. In fact,
1: he told me, why didn't I do more? The next morning, a hunter found Takako's body in a clearing by the forest. She had died of exposure, kneeling against a tree their face buried in the snow. The last person Paul spoke to was the lead investigator on her case. And that's when something
2: really strange happened, because um, he just said something that made me realize that everything that everyone thought about the case and the death of Takako Kanishi was completely, totally wrong. And what it was was he said to me, he just, in this totally offhand way, started speaking about the suicide. And I was like, what? He he was, well, she committed suicide. And I said, well, how do you know she committed suicide? And that's when he brought out the suicide note.
1: Takako had mailed the note to her family in Japan before she died. In it, she apologizes for the shame her suicide will cause them. But by the time the police found out about the note, Jesse and the other officer in Bismarck had already told a local reporter about the strange Japanese woman looking for a fictional treasure. Only later would Paul learn that Takako's map wasn't a treasure map at all. It turns out that in Japan, drawing maps is a common way to ask for directions. Nor did the forensic team find any evidence of cancer. And although everyone Paul had spoken to had taken it for granted that she was looking for the money from Fargo, Paul realized that she never actually talked about the movie with anyone. She was just looking for Fargo the town.
2: And I found out that, you know, the last phone call she made to this number in, in Singapore was to the ex-boyfriend. And this boyfriend came from Fargo. She hadn't gone there to look for the money that had been buried in the movie. It had to do with following the traces of this ex-boyfriend. It was about something real, something that had gone wrong in her life somehow and had led her to kill herself. And as for Paul... I was embarrassed. Why didn't I see the clues? Why did I insist on seeing something that wasn't there? What was wrong with me? There was nothing in front of me that I saw with my own eyes that told the story of a girl who desperately wanted to believe that something fictional was real.
1: It, was, it wasn't her. It was me. Paul had been like everyone else, instantly projecting on a strange foreign woman what they wanted to see. A prostitute, a witch, a pretty girl in search of a make-believe treasure. In the end, if no one helped her, it was because no one had really seen her at all.
2: So I had her address, and I, and I went to Tokyo to see where she lived, And I just knocked on the door uh, of the landlady. And of all the people who blamed themselves for what happened to Takako, the landlady blamed herself the most. The story she told was of a, a country girl who had come to the big city and got a job in a travel agency and was very polite and lived a totally normal life.
1: But then Takako lost her job at the travel agency and her boyfriend dumped her. To make ends meet, she got a gig at a hostess bar. She began drinking, losing her keys, falling behind on rent, and the landlady wasn't sympathetic. Until one day, Takako left without an explanation. The landlady presumed to go back to the country with her parents.
2: A little while later, Takako's mother called and said to her, Takako's gone. And the landlady said, gone? And then the mother said, yes, she she died far away, alone, in a cold place. And all Takako left in the flat was this uh, music box. It was by the window. The cassette was still inside it, and the landlady pressed
1: play. The song was a ballad about a man who promises to take his lover back to his hometown, but then leaves without her the landlady said. It was Takako's favorite song.
2: I sat there with her while she listened to this song. No expression on her face, just these tears. And she just said, I I should have helped her. I'm so regretful. I'm so regretful.
0: Paul Bergzeller is a director and documentarian living in London. If you want to see his documentary about Takako, it's called This Is A True Story. i have a link to it on our website, snapjudgment.org. Also special thanks to David and Nathan Zellner, who we interviewed for this piece but weren't able to include in the story. They have written and directed a fantastic feature film inspired by the mythology around Takako. We highly recommend it. It's called Kumiko, The Treasure Hunter. It's available right now as a digital download, streaming on Amazon Video or iTunes. Original Sound Design by Renzo Gorio. That story was produced by Joe Rosenberg. Now then, get yourself a nice cold carton of milk at the ready, along with your favorite spoon, because next week, on a brand new snap, we proudly present... The Breakfast of Champions. Can't wait for you to hear it because this is not the news. In fact, you could even turn on the news, turn it on your television like people used to do in olden days before World Star. And even then, even then, you would still not be as far from the news as this is. But this is WNYC. get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash snap. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash snap.
2: From P-